Welcome, you're listening to Rheumatology Republic's In Conversation podcast. Hi, I'm Wendy John. Today's episode is a reminder about the thing that 50% of your patients need to be reminded about, taking their medication. Let me share a quote from the World Health Organization. Increasing the effectiveness of adherence interventions may have a far greater impact on the health of the population than any improvement in specific medical treatments. It's true, it's a huge waste. That's Dr Ayano Kelly. You know, it's not just getting them to take it when they're on it. It's maybe 30% of people, for example, on, on osteoporosis medications, bisphosphonates, don't pick up their script after they've been prescribed for the first time. You know, once they have committed to taking the medication, then across the board, across all chronic conditions, maybe 50% of people are not taking the medications as prescribed. Dr Kelly also works at Liverpool Hospital smack bang in the middle of one of Sydney's COVID hotspots. And my research today in the field of medication adherence has been really about understanding patients' perspectives of their medication. Dr. Kelly is a cat lover of epic proportions, and she's doing some pretty robust research into the reasons for poor adherence. And it's a lot more complex than you might think. Yeah, so I think common misunderstanding is that people think it's a lack of understanding or just forgetfulness, but there is you know, more than 400. Some reviews I found more than 700 reasons why people don't take their medications as prescribed. And for an individual patient, it's not just one reason. It can be multiple reasons, and that those reasons can also change with time. Uh, it depends on which medication you're talking about as well. So it's not as simple as it seems, and it reflects on the fact that it's hard to change that behaviour as well. And I think the way I like to think about it is if you think about, say, helping someone to lose weight, I think for most clinicians they can easily understand that it's quite a hard thing to change behaviour and change um, all of the factors that might make it difficult for a person to lose weight. It's the same thing for adherence. And often we don't really support people and we just assume that we give someone a script and they can just take it, but it's, it's quite difficult, you know, um, for all sorts of reasons. 700 reasons. Yeah. What are some of the crazier ones that you've heard? I wouldn't say any of them are particularly crazy, but they might be a bit you know, unexpected. So, for example, one of my patients, one of his biggest reasons most recently was that his pet rabbit was sick and he was really worried about the pet rabbit and he just couldn't sleep. That was what he was focused on. So, you know, it's not one of the things that you would normally think of, but was extremely important for that that person at that time. Uh, so you can imagine it's just, it's so individual, you know, and it's, it's relevant. Like if you have a pet yourself, you would totally understand, you know, how that might feel if you had a child or, you know, you can, you can understand that it's difficult. Okay, so there's lots of factors at play, but it comes at a huge cost. Apart from avoidable deaths and disease progression, think of the burden on emergency rooms, hospitalisations, wasted drugs and waiting times to see a doctor. But it's not often recognised as a big issue, even by highly trained specialists. I've done some interviews with rheumatologists as well, and one of the interesting things I've said is some of my worst patients are my doctors, so that also... It tells you it's not about how much knowledge they have um, or whether they have this you know, health literacy ability to understand um, and follow through with 
you know, health behaviours. It can be other things like having a chaotic lifestyle, other things that can influence why you don't take medications. But I couldn't say that there's one crazy thing um, that stands out. It's just there's so many things, and I think that's really important to understand. It appears to me that there's, you know, so much money and time and effort put into finding better drugs, but then there's all these people running around not taking them properly, so the effect is really limited. The problem is that that is quite quite difficult to do, but it's true, it's a huge waste. And it's costing us a lot. If we just look at three chronic conditions in Australia, hypertension, dyslipidemia and depression, research in 2018 showed a cost of non-adherence of around $500 per adult or nearly $10.5 billion. That's more than the entire GDP of Monaco. But there is something we can do about it. Your research shows that trust in their doctor has a huge impact on someone's ability to manage adherence better. Yeah. So I guess the trust thing was really interesting for me. And it was interesting to ask patients, you know, the follow-up question of, well, what what do you mean by trust and what how does that actually affect your adherence? And it was such a simple concept. It actually just came down to the fact that they felt that that person who's providing them their script and providing them their medical care at the end of the day cares about them genuinely, you know, that they would stoop down if they had a sore foot and they pointed it out to their doctor, they'd stoop down, take a shoe off, have a look at it. And they felt that they genuinely had their best interest um, in mind. So I think that was a really important, just basic lesson that sometimes we're really busy looking after our patients we have a million things that we need to try to you know, do um, and then get to our next patient. But sometimes it's not about doing all of the things that we, we need to do. You, know, you need to check the bone health, you need to do this, you need to um, give them a script, you need to do the blood test. But sometimes the most important thing is that they feel that they're, they're heard and they're cared for. Um, and from a patient's point of view, it's the baseline, it's the minimum criteria for them to even consider um, most of the time for even to consider what you're suggesting as what you think they might need for management of their their health condition. So I think that was a really important lesson. Yeah. Trust is the basic hygiene factor. Yeah, it's not the only thing, obviously, but it's an important thing and it's something that we can just always take a step back and just think about when we're looking after our patients that, you know, they they feel like they have been heard, um, that they know that we care about what's happening in their lives and what their priorities are. Um, it's just, I think just a, a basic thing that we, we do need to remember when looking after our patients. I think we all, all strive to do that. The second thing is to understand that, uh, that adherence is a complex behaviour and to really make people feel comfortable, um, to use those words that make people feel like it's okay to talk about the medications, to remember to bring it up as well. So I talked about in the presentation just simple things that you can say uh, to try to elicit whether or not a person is having trouble with their adherence because we have difficulty guessing you know, whether people are taking their medications or not. They say that our guess is just as good as tossing a coin um, from studies about whether we can detect adherence. So in the simple things that doctors can say would be that 
it's common for people to have trouble taking their medications or, you know, often people have trouble taking medications on the weekends or night. You know, in the last week, have you missed your medications at all? And that, that is one way of detecting non-adherence. That last question was a key question, wasn't it? Have you missed medication in the last week? Yeah, it's a validated question to pick up some people, about 55% of people who have less than perfect adherence, which is doesn't sound great, but it's actually better than just guessing or not asking at all. And the other way that is similarly validated is to ask people just about their routine around medication taking. And it becomes quite clear once you ask them, you know, what do you do day to day with your medications? How does it fit into your life? Um, if they explain, oh, I do this and then maybe I do this, then it, it becomes clear that it probably isn't a really um, routinized thing that they do day to day and that there might be things that you can come up with together to help. So that's the second thing as a clinician uh, you could do. And third thing is to try to put more things in your tool belt. So because there's so many reasons why people might have trouble, there's also many solutions that you could potentially come up with. And I think the more solutions and you know, things that you have up your sleeves, the better. Um, so it might be things, so practical things you can give to people, say, if it's an issue with cost, might be helping them with things like Centrelink certificates or getting them to see a social worker or something like that. If it's an issue with remembering, then it might be using things like Webster Packs um, or, you know, they've got a really nice app called a MedAdvisor app that's linked to about 80% of pharmacies in the world and that can help people pick up their scripts easily so they can order scripts on their app. Um, they can put a little reminder on the app so it rings every morning, lunchtime, dinner time, um, just to say this is the time for your medications. Or if it's an issue with um, the complexity of the medications, you know, as a doctor, you can look at the medications and see if there are some things that can be combined, if there's really some things that are still on someone's medication list that needs to be rationalised, and then you can you know, involve the GP, involve a pharmacist, get a home medicines review. There's so many things that you can think of. Like um, Another thing that as a rheumatologist that's probably important is also thinking about you know, giving people options as well so not making them feel like they've only got the one option when you're talking about you know medications for example for rheumatoid arthritis and uh, saying you know we've got these options um, these might be the pros and cons um, and going through them together and coming up with a shared decision that also fits in with their values you know their lifestyle lifestyle priorities um, things like that there's, there's just so many things that you can do what reaction do you get from some patients when you reassure them that this is actually really hard it's a normal thing for people to have poor adherence people open up more and tell you all sorts of things and I, I guess I I get that also from a clinical setting but also from a research setting because I've done quite a few qualitative studies where we're just talking to patients and you know at first, it might seem like, oh, you know, I have no trouble with my medication, everything's fine. And then they talk a little bit more and they talk about how, oh, but I reduce my medication dose when I'm feeling good or, oh, but on the weekends, I'm, I'm actually quite terrible. My routine goes out the door. Um, you know, the initial response is that, you know, there is no, no problem, like uh, unless you, you probe and you ask and, and make it okay to talk about mm. it. Are there any barriers in current clinical practice I think so. The first barrier is just not 
being aware of the issue, um, but I think it's becoming more and more apparent. So some people just wouldn't wouldn't even think that this is an issue with their patients. So I think to get more people to see that this is a problem um, and to be aware of the problem is the first barrier to overcome. The second barrier is then to understand the nuances of medication adherence behaviour um, and all the things that I explained about. Um, so to understand how complex it is and um, that there's not just one solution, um, that we do need to think creatively and that you know we, we need to come from a point of view of understanding the patient. And then the third barrier is then what do we do about it? So it's, you know, because it's a complex behaviour, it's very difficult on a population level um, to make big differences in in adherence. Um, But it doesn't mean that on an individual level that you shouldn't keep trying um, with different ways. But I think there needs to be, you know, a better systematic approach um, to doing that and that, you know, that I think is a big barrier in clinical care. And then, you know, the fourth is, you know, you have maybe some solutions that do work um, for patients that a rheumatologist um, or other rheumatology health professionals can institute. Uh, Then it's what is it that we do and how do we actually have time to do that? Um, So there are a lot of things that, that we can do. Um, There's a lot of potential you know, even though there are barriers, there are also solutions and we just we do need to support more research and implementation of that research into the field. So medical non-adherence is a complex problem that creates really poor patient outcomes for which there is almost no training provided in medical school and it's costing us a bomb. But Dr Ayano Kelly is finding more tools for a doctor's clinical toolkit. And there are other people that you should probably also tie in with, like you know, general practitioners, pharmacists, nurses, um, if you can, because they also have their own specific expertise that they can help and you can work as a team together. Any final words of advice for our specialists listening in? Uh, really that a lot of people struggle taking their medications. It's important to ask them about it in a non-threatening, you know, way and to find out what it is that they're struggling with and to try to come up with some innovative solutions for them and to always keep thinking about it you know not just at the start of the process of when they first start their medications but when they're on their medications um, and when they're even way down the track and they've been taking their medications for years it's important to think about it all throughout the process in a nutshell Fantastic. Thank you very much. You have a fabulous day. No worries. Thanks, Wendy. Well, thanks for tuning in. Rheumatology Republic In Conversation podcast is brought to you by the team at Moose Republic. You might also like our podcast, The Tea Room, to keep up with the general practice of what's happening in health and medicine. You can also find The Tea Room on Spotify and iTunes. But for the latest news and views about rheumatology, check out our Rheumatology Republic magazine or our website, www.rheuma.com.au. I'm Wendy John. Thanks for listening.